Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let's not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And in this, his command to believe in the name of of his son Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Well, you know, I want to know what love is. I do. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. Right? Foreigner, if you don't know who sings that. I want to know what love is. I I don't just want to to kind of think about it. I don't want to kind of get a glimpse of it. I I want to know, and I want to know deep in my heart. I want to know exactly what it means and and how it affects me and how I should behave differently because of it. I want to know that. It's not just some words on on some piece of paper someone wrote down and put some music to. I do. I, I want to know that. I think as we go through, and you think about all these songs, um, books, movies, one of the most significant genres of music is, is love. And it's not always about, you know, eros love between a man and a woman. Often it's just, it's about all kinds of, of love. And I think, you know, all we need is love. We hear this, but what, is it, what does it really mean? You know, what is it? I think the world is searching, and it keeps saying, I don't know what it is. I want to love like Johnny and June. I want that kind of love. And we think about all of these things. What, what is really love? The, the world is so starved to know what love is that we constantly in our poetry and all of our arts are trying to figure it out. We try to talk about what it means and, and what we're missing and, and what we've seen and how it just doesn't feel right. So, and the problem with that is we see more examples of what love isn't than we do what love is because love stinks. Love hurts. Love bites. We see more examples when we turn on the TV, and that's one of the reasons, quite frankly, you... It's time for picking on you guys again. It's not Christmas time. But I do not like the Hallmark movies. Because of this concept of love that they present. And and it's unachievable. It's unobtainable. It doesn't exist in the real world. But it makes us feel good, right? I know some of you disagree. It's all right. We see so many examples of what love isn't. And then we see things that are done in the name of love. 
and they don't seem like love at all. I mean, I can tell you there are a lot of times in my own life where I have done certain things out of love that later on I thought, man, that was wrong. There are some times that I have disciplined my children out of love and later on I thought, that wasn't love. That was because I was upset and mad. So sometimes we do things that we say is about love and it really doesn't have to do with love. But somehow we convince ourselves. People are abused because people say that, well, this is how we love. And so therefore it gets this connotation and this confusion about all things that are going on. It becomes so ambiguous. It becomes so uncertain. It becomes so vague what love really is. A lot of confusion about it. Either love is just a feeling that you fall in, in and out of, just physical desire, physical attraction, physical intimacy. That's the way the world often, often says it. And though love would be perfect and you never have any discord and never any disharmony, never any fighting or anything that goes on, that's the way the world says and that's what Hallmark says. But I am confident in this. As evidenced by all of creation and all of humanity, we all need love. Feeling that you're unloved, feeling that you are unwanted is a terrible way to live. And if you want to look at the rates of suicide that exist in America today that are increasing in particular in young people, why do you think most of that suicide is? It's because there's a feeling of not being loved, wanted, and outside the group. And they just want that thing they can't even define. And they haven't seen it. And they haven't experienced it. And it makes my heart ache because we are called to do that. Love is an essential part of life. But yet, so many have come to be hurt by it. But yet, somehow, we might go through this thing where we have what we believe to be love and it's broken and it's hurt and it's misshapen and misformed. Yet somehow, don't we always go seek it again? That even though it is hurt, it stinks, I hate myself for loving you, we still go back for more. We still need more. It's never enough for us to say, I just write it off and I'll never, don't know. It's always this deep desire to be loved and to love. Is this love that I'm feeling? Is this love that I've been searching for? I just think it's so painfully evident that the world is crying out, please love me. And even when people behave in ways that aggravate us to no end, often it's, please love me. Pay attention to me. I want to be important. I want you to view me as, as though I am worthy of something. And even though that is aggravating to us and how they might, that might come out, the, the deep inside desire is still, I need to be loved. Where are they going to find it? Where are they going to find this deep-seated desire that I believe all of us have deeply ingrained in us to need to be loved? Where are they going to find it? Yeah, secular movies present a very distorted, unrealistic view of love. 
friends and family, they show these love and break up and divorces. And, and truly, in those situations, love becomes more about fulfilling my needs than thinking about others. What can you give me to make me happy as opposed to what can I give to make you happy? And what about the church? Unfortunately, we are not innocent in this. We like to think that the world and the movies and they've got it all wrong, but I want you to know there are people in the church that I have seen over and over and over again that call themselves Christians that can be just as hateful as anything I've ever seen in my life. They can be just as judgmental as anybody you have ever seen in the world. They can be as unforgiving as anybody you have ever seen. We are not immune to it. We know that it exists inside, and sometimes we often say, well, we do it out of love. So we think about, if that exists in the church, where do we go? Where, do we, where can we find out where love really is and what it's supposed to look like and how it's supposed to change us and how we're supposed to behave and act? I think that there's probably a pretty clear answer to this, that the one who is love, not just a description, is, I-S, not acts like love, but is love. The one who defines love by who he is, and that is God. You know, before Webster could ever come up with a uh, definition that we would put in a book and everyone could, lo- could look at and pay attention to, there was God's word that was spoken and it demonstrated to us what is perfect love. Number one, in his son, that was be defined by his nature throughout all of the, the New Testament. So we look and we see what is here and and the, the, do you know that the word love, at least in the NIV, is in the scriptures 567 times? And there are other important things, but it's interesting that it's not quite there as much. You think about faith, 259. Truth, 135. Salvation, 115. I don't mean this is not important. I'm just telling you, you recognize that love is talked about a whole lot. It's a great source for what it really ought to be. The only words that are mentioned more than love in the Bible are God and Lord. And then if you really want to boil it down to something, why don't we just ask Christ, hey, Christ, what are the things that are most important? If we can boil down all of Christianity, in particular the Ten Commandments, if we can boil them down into the most simplistic way that we possibly can, what do you say? And Jesus Christ says the two greatest commandments of God, according to Jesus, both deal with love, love for God and love for people. Jesus said the entire law and everything that you know about God, he said all that and all the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It is the fulfillment of the law. And Paul said, which I'm going to spend a whole lot of time on because you can't divorce love from the 13th chapter of Corinthians. But he goes in the 13th chapter, he says that love is the greatest of all the gifts of God. And there is nothing else matters if you do not love. An entire chapter, just about this one little word. And finally, Jesus says that the way people know that we are his followers, that we are his disciples, is that we belong to him, is by our love for one another. So how will the world know what love is? Because they're asking. 
They're writing. They're searching. And the answer is really, listen, listen really close, because this is a secret that not many people know. By how true Christians treat each other. True Christians treat each other. Look at this chapter 13, uh, of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Before you even get to reading this wonderful chapter that really describes what I think, number one, is a holiness message, but number two, that is really all about what love is and how it exists, and, and it gives us a great description of all these things. you got to first think, why is Paul writing it? Why is he talking to these Corinthians about this concept? Why is he going into such depth about this because he doesn't go into depth with all the other churches that he writes letters to but for some reason Corinthians he feels he's got to really bring it out and so Paul is the author and he writes these words to the letter in Corinth to the church in Corinth and the church in Corinth has come to be known as Paul's most troublesome church the most difficult full of division quarreling jealousy they were following people. They were picking, hey, that's, that's the person in this church I want to follow. And that's the person, no, this person's more important. No, that one's more important. They were fighting over these things. They were boasting about how smart they were and how, how the gifts that God had given them, they, how they had become such an important church. We are one of the most important churches around. We have smart people. They were boasting about how the spiritual gifts that they had were better than other people. I have this gift, you don't have that gift. And they were, they were talking about these things. They were comparing themselves to one another. Sexual immorality, idolatry was, was very alive among the people. And Christians were taking each other to court and filing lawsuits against one another. Can you imagine Wanda filing a lawsuit against Patty? Can you imagine that? I guess you can. <laughs> Going to the same church with me, but you can't resolve your differences that you've got to go to a court of law. That really speaks of love. True Christians, how they love each other. They had made a mockery even of the, the, the Lord's Supper. You know, when we try to do it kind of nice, kind of nice and everyone takes their own time, it was like a feeding trough. They would say communion, and they would run up there, and they would say, well, all the stuff may be gone. Let me grab as much as I can, and I can take it to my family. I'm not care about you, but I care about myself. That's literally what was happening during communion in this church. There was so much disunity in this body that Christ's followers were not representing the love of God very well at all. And he said, you got it so backwards and so wrong, I need to spend a whole chapter here to tell you what love is because you don't have it. Paul never writes a letter so strong and scolding as he writes to this church in Corinth. So Paul writes these words. So that's it. This is a mess of a church. They are, to, they are a successful church, by the way, just so you're clear. They got a lot of people who are going there. They got a lot of strong people who are really strong leaders, strong leaders in the community. They have the appearance, but they, they're not getting it. So he writes these words. Love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It does not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. That's a lot of words. It's like people have been writing poetry about love for 
centuries and decades and forever, haven't they? It says this, love is. It doesn't say love does. It doesn't say, if, if, if you're kind of this way, then, then you'll behave this way. It says love is. If you are loving, you'll do this? No. Love is. And this is what love looks like. And the people in the church in Corinth, they didn't know what real love looked like. They didn't know it. And the world that we live in doesn't know it. And I think to us, it's our duty to make sure people know it. As the people in the church in Corinth did not know what real love looks like, so too there are so many around us who don't. Paul says real love looks like this. It is patient. How many of you struggle with being patient? How many of you have times when your patience runs really thin? And then you become to get irritable. And you begin to get testy. And your first thought is probably not about loving the one who is making you feisty. I love my wife. She's never once tested my patience. She said the other day, you know, I was, I was complaining about something. And she says, you know it's only going to get worse. <laughs> to which I just said nothing. But you understand, those who we love the most often try our patience the most. But you know what it says here? It says, hey, love is patient unless you love someone really strong, and then it's not patient anymore. Then you can be getting a huff and get all upset. Because the, the word that comes right behind is not there by accident. It's kind. Willing to be patient. Willing to show kindness when our patience is tested. I believe this. If I said to her right now, Christy, let's go. She'd say, let's go. And then she'd spend the next 10 minutes getting ready to go. And you know, as my known practice is, hurry up. You ready? What else you got to do? You get ready? Come on, let's go. Let's get with it. Let's go. That's real kind, isn't it? And so you feel the conviction. And you just, it's just real life. And the world will know how you treat other people and how that will, they will know if that love is real. And so God is teaching me. And yesterday she said, there was something going on. And she said, you're quiet. I was saying, because I'm studying and I'm being convicted. <laughs> Kindness. Because I care more about someone else than I do about my own satisfaction. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying God's working on me and I realize I have shortcomings and I need God's help to make this through. This is what love looks like. I don't think we see it very often. What else? What is, love does not envy or boast. It is not proud. Love isn't about comparing oneself to another. 
This isn't about unhealthy comp, uh, competition of one-upmanship. And I love to win, by the way. I never want to lose. But I can tell you that God has helped me along the way. It's like, eh, that's really not as important as it used to be. I still want to win. Makes it makes makes losing a little bit easier. And I say, ah, it's not that important. Even though I'm still going to beat you, whatever you want to play. But. but see, love isn't about coming in first. But realizes that we're in this thing together. And the reality, and I keep referring to it as Josh alluded, the first sermon that he gave here, he said, how terrible it would be to get to the mountaintop, to have made it where God, where we had traveled, and we were there for all of eternity, and you were all by yourself. That is not Christianity whatsoever. Christianity is to come together. And you can't be stomping on people to beat people, to win people, and then then expect them to come along for the journey the whole time. You've got to help them along. And sometimes it means that you have to lose in the right way. If everybody's out for themselves, and I'm for you, and you're for me, and we're for each other, that's a lot better than just being for ourselves. The next love is, is, or rather what love isn't actually, if you want to look at this. It says, love does not dishonor others. That ought to be obvious, right? That ought to be, right? Everything here should be obvious. But put it in uh, others in this sentence. Love is not self-seeking or easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. The King James Version says, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own way, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. The NASB says it does not act disgracefully, it does not seek its own benefit, it is not provoked, it does not keep account of wrong suffered. Why does it seem so often it's us against them? Why does it seem so often that it's me against somebody else? Why is that? Why are we so often ready to fight? Why are we so often ready to argue? Why are we so often ready to debate and share our opinion or have an opinion of other people? Why do we so often expect others to act right and do the right thing all the time? We're so willing to make an excuse for why we didn't do it and why we behave the way that we do. We're so quick to make an excuse, but we're unwilling to give any grace to somebody else. You don't act right. You don't smell right. You don't... Now, I know I don't, but hey, I got reasons. Why are we so critical? Why are we so unforgiving? Why are we so demanding of having our way? Who put us in charge? Who made us the enforcer or the judge? Who did that? Aren't we all imperfect? Aren't we all in need of salvation, God's forgiveness? Aren't we all in need of God's wisdom into us? Aren't, aren't we? And I just want you to be clear. And if you've been given, forgiven, and if you've been given wisdom from God, and if you have all of these things, do you think he gave it to you and you don't need any more of it and you'll never make a mistake the rest of your life? No. You may have got a keen piece of wisdom and you may be a wise person, but you need more wisdom from God. It's not over. It's not complete. you got to have it from God. And why would we look at other people and say, you're so dumb. I'm so dumb. If you want to start listing my mistakes, it's unbelievable. I can have as many as you, maybe more. Did we ever approach people that way? These things talk about what love isn't. You know, if you were to do it opposite and say what love is, I would say that love honors others. 
Love seeks the good of others, is forgiving of others, and forgets others have wronged us. It's happy no matter what others do. Listen to that. Love is happy no matter what others do and how bad and all the things that might cause anxiety. Love is still okay. I love how the New New NLT translate this next verse. He says, love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. So what does love care about? Think about this. What, does, what do you think love is important here? What is worth fighting for? What is worth standing up for? And it says right here, it is the truth. Not what I want, not what they want, not what everybody wants. It is the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. And whether that hurts, stings, or something to rejoice about, that is what love is really after. It can push aside my own bias and someone else's own bias. And let's get to the truth. No matter what you think or how you might have been raised or how things have, have protected you, you, truth is what love rejoices in. How often do we really seek? And I want to tell you, take a look at the newspapers, take a look at all the journals that you want to read, and I very rarely see anyone looking for truth. They want you on their side. They want you to hate. They want you to do this. Truth Rejoice in truth. That is love. And it is not very strong even in the church today. But it is what God intended. And it is what God has described as, as love. It is seeking and loving truth. And even when it convicts my soul that I have been impatient with my wife, it is truth. And rejoice in that because I know it. And I can do something about it. Often we want to rejoice because we win. See, I'm not impatient to my wife. She's impatient to me. That's the way we live. It's ridiculous. It's not what love is. The world is seeking for what really love is. Man, have I gotten off track here. When the whole world is glorifying evil, wickedness, unrighteousness, Injustice, love rejoices in the truth. Isn't that what Pilate asked Jesus, you know, when he was going? He said, the duty of a, of, of a court of justice is to discover the truth. Witnesses are sworn in to declare the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Because why? It's only when the truth is discovered that justice is delivered. But so often we're really concerned Are we really concerned with what truth is? Often our concern is what we feel, what we want, what we desire. Love cares about what is true. Because what is true is what is good for all. And finally, love always. What does love always do? That means if it doesn't always do this, then it isn't love. Love always protects. If you love, you stand up and protect people around you. You are a protector. You are a shield for others from harm. Love always trusts Now, wait a minute. What are you talking about here, preacher? 
I find it hard to always trust. I'm with you. It's just not like I preach at you and like I got it all figured out and I'm perfect and I'm just going to hammer it all down on you. No, I get it. Some things that I can't trust and and I feel like I shouldn't trust and I, and I, I agree with that. But maybe another way to think about this is is love always gives others the benefit of the doubt. Don't you want others to give you the benefit of the doubt? To say that you come with an honest heart and sincerity of trying to do things? Love does that instead of jumping to conclusions and thinking the worst of somebody before you can even get to what the real crux of the matter. And love always hopes. If there is love, there is always hope. When you remove hope, when you remove love, hope fades away. Things fall apart. Relationships are destroyed. Society crumbles. But when there is love, there is always hope that it gets better. That there is something that God intended that is still not here yet. And love always perseveres. Love never gives up. Thank the Lord that love never gives up and it should be in us too. Maybe that's why they say hope. So that's why they say there is hope when there's love. Think of it for just a moment. So often, the relationships that people have are temporary from the beginning. They don't even expect it to last. They give up whenever there's a hardship. Whenever things are difficult, whenever someone's not happy or someone feels their needs are not being met, that can't be based upon love if you give up so easily. Love never gives up. It always perseveres. That is what love is. That is what love looks like. Do you know what love is? Look no further than the one who defined it. The Bible says, as I read at the very beginning, out of 1 John but this time, chapter 4, it said, God is love. God is all of these things and more. And as I read in the beginning, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with our words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And just because you understand the concepts that we talked about today doesn't mean that you got it. It's when it's expressed and it is given and people know and they know without a shadow of a doubt they love and it doesn't even matter what you do, they'll still love you. Now, that doesn't mean that people are stupid and just going to do stupid things and maybe you have a problem, maybe you have a drug problem and and you spend thousands of dollars a month. It doesn't mean that, oh, I'm going to give you more money because I love you. That's not at all. But it means I don't care if you have a drug problem. I may not give you money, but I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to give you comfort. And when you've got no other place to go, I am still here. I'm not going anywhere. It is the love of our God who never gives up. And even when you have done wrong, and even when you continue to do wrong, and maybe you did the right in the middle of it, but you've gone wrong again, and you did a little right, and you've gone wrong, God says, I don't care. I still love you. I still pursue you. I still want you. You're still my child. And anytime you want, this is the place for you. And is that kind of love that exists in your heart when you look across and you see your neighbor, and you look across even the sanctuary or whatever, and you say, I don't care what you've done. I still have room for you. That's love. It doesn't mean I'm not hurt, but I wonder about Christ. Do you think he's ever hurt? But says, 
I still have room for you. I don't know about you guys, but it's convicting to the core for me. Why does the world not know what love is? Because they haven't seen it in me. And I like to think that I I work on it and I get better at it. But you want to know what love is? Love is a more than a word we say that so often loses its meaning. Love is more than a feeling that we fall in and out of and love is more than meets my needs and fulfills my desires. Love is a person who lives my heart lives uh, love is the person who lived for me and gave himself for me and now I have an opportunity to live and give myself for others love is Jesus and Jesus can be alive in you that you can love too it's haunting to think that the church has failed but there is no other way to say it They don't know what love is because we haven't let them see it. I invite you to stand this morning and I don't know, you know, my internal clock's pretty good. Oh, I'm... Ryan, would you just come play something and whether anybody needs to take action today or not, it's okay. Uh, But sometimes I think that we need to be truthful to ourselves. Yeah, I know what love is but I'm having a real hard time living it. If you need to take some action today just to come up and maybe repent to God and say, I know what love is, but, but I'm having a hard time. I need you, God, to help me. Because this is really impossible without God. You can't will it enough. You can't figure it out enough. Until you really experience it and know the grace of God, you can't give it away. So this morning, as Ryan plays, and um, he didn't have to sing anything, if you'd like to, to come to the altar, you want to stand up, sit down, kneel, whatever you want to do, Let God examine your heart this morning. And if you need to take action, you do that. Whatever God's calling you to do. If you need somebody to pray with you, we'll pray with you. You want to be left alone, we'll leave you alone. Just let God examine you. Anything needs to be done this morning between you and God. God is calling. He is here. Feel very present. Don't let him pass you by. Be open to what he has this morning. Carolyn, this Carolyn, (laughs) would you pray for us as we are dismissed this morning?